This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 165, and we are recording on Monday, November 13th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you on this Monday of Mondays? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I actually just got back from Y'all Fest in Charleston, South Carolina, so today was definitely a recovery day. Yes, I I feel that. Yeah, I need to build in more recovery times when I travel. But how was Charleston? Charleston was very cold. Uh, we've oh, been no. in the eighties, uh, and like at maybe lower seventies, and then it's like someone flipped a switch, and on Saturday morning it was cold. It was rainy. Um, I layered up all the clothes I had brought. I had not brought sufficient cold weather gear that is for sure so i'm like layered in like all these things we're running down the book panels but uh it was a really great time i i'm not a ya book person like these folks are i mean they got in line like in the wee hours of the morning to get their arcs and tickets for author signings and all sorts of things it was wild yeah <laughs> I, I've I've read YA obviously, but it's not my go-to um, area. But having been to different library conferences and book conferences, the crowds that these YA authors draw is unreal. I remember there was one author. This was what probably like six or seven years ago. There was one author. I was thinking, oh, if I can get you know, if I can get a chance to get. Um, the book auto, uh, book signed. I'll get in line, and then I saw the line line for them, and I was like, eh, "Nope, <laughs> these people are dedicated. They are." And I had nothing but admiration for them because, like, there were wagons of all different shapes and sizes. Some people even brought plastic coverings because it was raining for their wagons. This one guy, the most adorable thing, his teenage daughter was in line, and she was obviously. Um, disabled. A lot of us who were disabled had these little round stools. So she had like a little camp chair and she was one of the other people who was wearing a mask and her dad was just there asking her questions saying, where are we going? And it was just the cutest thing. This dad taking his teenage daughter to get her favorite book signed. I about melted. <laughs> so who were the authors that everyone was waiting for? Do you remember or do you Lee know? Bardugo was the number one. Um, oh yeah. Closely followed by Holly Black um, yep. Victoria is Avignard who wrote The Right Queen. How do you? Yes. And so she was there and she was also very popular. Um, I went to the Ali Condi signing. Uh -huh. She has a new YA contemporary, but she's probably best known for her matched series. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was new authors, um, like one I'll be talking about for my currently reading. There was the Rick Riordan recently wrote. Um, a new novel about one of his gay characters, and so he co-wrote that. 
And so that offer was there. And anyway, it was a lot of fun. I'll include a link in the show notes if people just want to be nosy and peruse and see what's going on or maybe go next year. But it was a lot of fun. I went with my uh, middle grade author friend. And so I was really there to like be her like person as she ran around going to all <laughs> these different things. But it was a great time. Yeah, oh, very tired so- Yeah. And I have to say that the conferences that I've been to, whenever I've seen people waiting in line, it's always been indoors. (laughs) So the the outdoor element, I think, just adds an extra level of, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And dedication and and all of that. So I I, don't mess with the YA book lover. Oh, no. (laughs) Like they are, they know what they're doing and they've got it all together. I was very impressed. Very nice. Well, with that segue, since you um, mentioned you're currently reading, what are you currently reading? So I just finished All the Fighting Parts by Hannah V. Sawyer, and I almost picked it today, but it's not really a mystery. It is about a crime, though, which is why I wanted to mention it currently, currently reading. Um, it is a novel, a YA novel in verse. It's contemporary, and it's about Amina, who is a young Black woman who um, is sexually assaulted by her pastor. And that's really right out of the gate. We start with the transcript between like the police officer and Amina and her dad. And then between that are these poems that tell the story of before the assault. The center of the book is the section about the assault. And then it's post that first police interview. The structure is phenomenal. Um, It is one of the most beautiful books I have ever read. I think it might be one of my favorite of the year. All libraries and teachers need this book. It's so beautiful in the way that it speaks to um, teenage girls who are survivors, in particular black girls who are survivors, um, who were abused by, um, you know, upstanding air quotes members of the community. And I believe this is based somewhat on Hannah's, the author's personal experience with her assault. And, um, she talks about that in the back of the book, but it's so good. It's, it's oh my so gosh. good. I'm going to have to pick up a copy of that. Sounds amazing. Yes. And I know we've talked a lot about true crime and like talking about like, how do we center the victims and celebrate their life? And I think this is very, um, really like survivor centric, um, and really putting them and their story at the core of this crime. And I feel like that's just something that, is really important for this conversations that we have here on a you know a mystery and thriller podcast where a, a lot of a lot of people are found dead in our story. So, um, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, things. yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing, and I will um, I will definitely have to get a copy of that. Um, but I am so proud of myself that I managed to actually start a book that I wasn't planning to talk or that I didn't read solely for the purpose of this of the podcast um and it's I've already mentioned it as trying to you know it's like oh I checked it out and uh and then I never actually got around to starting it well I've officially started it Happiness Falls by Angie Kim talked about how how much we loved uh Miracle Creek at this point I mean it's just part of just red or dead lore at this point. But I'm about probably I'd say about a third of the way in. And I sat down and I read for like, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half over the weekend um, in one sitting. And I got through a third in one sitting. It is Happiness Falls is spellbinding. So the the like the one sentence premise is that in uh, the father in this family has gone missing 
while he was uh, with one of the children who is disabled and is unable to speak. And the, the son comes home, and but without the father, they're able to figure out that he's missing, but they think that the son, his name is Eugene, that they think he saw what happened or that he knows something, but he can't communicate it. And so the story kind of goes from there. It's told from the perspective of one of the other kids in the family, Mia, who's 20 years old. Yeah, she's just a really interesting narrator. And her the way that her character's sensibilities and stuff just come out without you being like told outright this is how she is. Like the characterization of of this narrator is so strong. And she also has this really this this really interesting thing where um it's told in the first person and Mia's telling it like after the fact, like I should have like Uh, you know, looking back, I probably should have said this, or I definitely should have said, you know, mentioned that I saw this because, you know, lots and lots of like foreshadowing, like, okay, this is a big thing. So it's all told in the first person. But when she's narrating the story, she actually includes footnotes in her chapters, or as she's talking about it, like she's going off on these conversational tangents. And so when you're reading, like it's fiction, but you come across these footnotes and you go down at the bottom and she's kind of gone off on on a little bit of this tangent. Um, it's never excessive. It always enhances the story. But I just thought that was so clever. It's, I think I've, I'm sure it's not the first time I've encountered this technique in a fictional title, but it's it's very it's very well done. It's so captivating. It's so nuanced. It's so like, oh my gosh. And I'm getting so many vibes uh, or so many drawing a lot of comparisons to Celeste Ng's uh, Everything I Never Told You, um, which I read years ago, but really, really loved. And this one I feel like has more of a mystery element to it, whereas Celeste Ng's is a a little bit more on the literary fiction side. Um, But I think if you read that and you really liked it, I think this has a lot of the same characteristics. But it's just, this is just brilliant so far. And if I uh, hadn't been so daggum tired yesterday, I would have read more of it. But and just reading, like falling into this book was just like a breath of fresh air after I've struggled for so long with just getting started and picking a book and getting started. So I am so, so delighted to have finally started this book and um, should be, I should have finished it by the by the next time we record. But uh, but yeah, Happiness Falls by uh, Angie Kim is fantastic so far. It's a, it is so fabulous. I can't hear, wait to hear what you think about it. Yeah. All right. Before we jump into the uh, the rest of the show, you've got a little TBR update. Yes. So many of you know that Book Riot has a a TBR service. So you fill out a form, and a bibliologist is assigned to you based on what kind of books you are looking for, and they will give you book recommendations. Now, up until this point, uh, you could do a hardback. So in like uh, physical books are sent to your house if you live in the U.S. Um, and then if you just want the recommendations or you're in a different country, um, you can just have, you know, the bibliologist send you the email detailing, you know, what your recommendations are and you can go find them. Well, now a paperback 
uh, service is available. So instead of receiving hardbacks, you can do paperbacks. And of course, these are great gifts. Um, I have bought the digital version for um, gifts before, and I, you know, I used to be a bibliologist, so I really love how specific people get in their requests for recommendations. So, if you have a friend and you're not sure what books to get them, you could get them this service instead, and it is pretty fabulous. So, definitely head over to mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. And you will find all of the details um, about about TBR. You can go about your gift giving, or maybe you're just giving yourself a gift this Christmas or Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, whatever your choice. Um, yeah, I feel like books are just really good, like overall kind of gift. You know, like if you're not sure where to get someone, get, get them book. books. Yeah, get them book suggestions. The gift that keeps on giving. It really does. It really does. I myself, uh, we went, Blaine and I went to Barnes and Noble this weekend, and I managed to not only grab a stack of books for myself, but then I also went through and took pictures of all the books that I was going to add to my Christmas list for my parents and my in-laws. That's smart. So, yep, did, did a little shopping for myself there. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess, then The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan is for you in its Academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Cordova's life is in shambles. All he's got going for him is one, he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two, a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine. So they're, you know, those are the positives. So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Anais Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> 
All right, so if you are new to the show, welcome. We are delighted to have you. This is a great episode to tune into. If you are a previous listener, welcome back. We're so delighted we haven't scared you off yet. Um, so like uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that giant category. <laughs> so lots of things, lots of topics for us to talk about. So whether you are looking for explorations of a particular subgenre, uh, discussions of movie adaptations, author read-alikes, true crime updates, award news, all of that stuff is fair game for us to talk about and more. So if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is always the part of the episode where we put out a call to our listeners uh, to invite you to let us know if you have any suggestions for future episodes, because we really truly do use these to plan future episodes, especially when we can't come up with anything good ourselves. Um, we have used dozens of your suggestions over the years, and it's a great way for us to know what you all would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or show suggestions, you can send us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so don't worry about getting it all down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get the creative juices flowing while you listen. But even if you don't have an idea and you want to say hi, you can reach out to us for that as well. We love hearing from our listeners regardless. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, we have a longer than usual segment because this episode is our annual holiday gift giving spectacular bonanza <laughs> woohoo i've got the muppet i've got the muppet arms jazz hands going <laughs> on the side of the microphone you can't see it but they're there so over the years we've done many different variations on the idea of giving mystery and thriller books as gifts and one i think this is one i think this is this is a an easy way to do it is we've identified kind of big popular subgenres that you may have someone in your family or friend circle that really likes these types of mysteries, or you may like these, these types of mysteries. And we are giving a suggestion for that subgenre. And for the most part, uh, we have each picked a different area. So there's going to be lots of different stuff to choose from. And we've got more picks than usual for each of us, so I'd say let's jump right in. And which is your first pick, Kendra? So I have chosen books based on like subgenres that folks may enjoy or different age groups. And so the first one is a book for middle grade readers, and that is Spirit Hunters by Ellen O. This is both horror and a mystery, which is absolutely delightful and i would recommend this this whole this whole series so uh we need diverse books founder alan o who's the author of this series um is it just stellar storyteller and so the books begin with harper rain um she is a seventh grader who's moved um who is she and her family have recently moved and so they move into this older house and 
something that we we don't know what it is, but something happened before the book started that it makes Harper sort of delicate. Her parents treat her as if she's been very ill. Harper herself doesn't really remember what happened, but what happened to her was a big part of why they moved um, when they did. So there's something weird about the house itself, um, but then her brother Michael her younger brother starts acting very strange. Um, she gets like these bursts of cold in the house. And if you're a horror lover, you know what cold air means. Um, but the what I loved about this book and why I'm recommending it as a gift is because one, it's part of a series. And kids, if they love a series, they want to have them all. So you either can get them the whole series or you have future gifts for birthdays and other things throughout the year. I've done this several times with my nieces and nephews. It is nice to know that you already have their gift set. You just got to wait and ship them off when the time comes or whatever. Anyway, but I love this because it is horror. It introduces children to age-appropriate horror, but it also has that mystery element. So it will compel them to keep moving forward. And there's a lot of family dynamics in this book. And I think that, you know, you can have conversations or the kids in your life's parents can have conversations about family dynamics. Um, Harper is biracial. Her mom um, is, oh, snap. I think she's Korean. Hold on, Caitlin. I am going to rewind. Um, I'm going to rewind and rephrase that since I cannot find, I don't have a print copy in front of me. So I am going to rephrase. Okay. So there are a lot of family dynamics. Uh, you know, um, Harper is biracial. Her mom is Asian American and her dad is white. And so there's a lot going on. They're really estranged from her mom's mom. So her maternal grandmother, and yeah, it's just really comes back to family at the end of each book. And that's something that I really enjoy. And so I also love a good haunted house story. <laughs> I love the idea that this is like a starter book to draw kids down the, the spooky little path. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I think, you know, my my nephew, for example, my oldest nephew is, has always been very sensitive um, so obviously you're, you need, you know, you got to check with the kids in your life and see what they're prepared for. But, um, I feel like this is a great, a great introduction to start that conversation. Um, and it's also just, I don't know, it's just a delightful little mysteries and kind of chilling and yeah. So if you would like to introduce your, the kids in your life to a horror slash mystery novel, definitely check out Spirit Hunters. Uh, by Eleanor O in all of the books in the series. There's only three. I wish she would write more, but I understand that she wanted to wrap it up in a trilogy. Alas and alack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that can be in and of itself. You've already got like the prepackaged gift right there. You do. One, I'm just saying. You do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure there's like a box set somewhere. I did not check before recording, but I'm sure it exists somewhere. Um, and they're just, and they're in paperback as well. So whatever the kid, kiddo in your life prefers, go for it. I just love them so much. I might read them next year for sure. They're just really cute. All right. So my first pick is, 
I'm just going to call this kind of general mystery because, you know, we we talk so much about all of, the, all of these different subgenres on this show and they can go really far afield. But this, my first suggestion really just kind of brings it back to, you know, what we're all here for. And that's mysteries. If you're looking for for like a good old fashioned feeling kind of mystery, I think this one would check a lot of boxes. So my pick is The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentle. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember if I read this this year or last year because time is a flat circle and means nothing. But I have, I did read it uh, for a previous episode of the show and I really, really liked it. And someone called it a three-dimensional story. And I think that's very appropriate because you have the heart of the story are these four characters that are all sitting at the same table in the reading room at the Boston Public Library, the famous reading room. And there is a scream, a woman's scream that everyone hears. And everyone's like, well, what was that? And they don't find anything. But then I can't remember if it's later that day or the next day, they find a dead body in the library. And the four people who are all sitting at the table, they don't know each other, but then they all are kind of drawn together because of this shared connection and they all become friends and get to know each other and stuff. They're all in, I'd probably, I think they said they're in like in their early to mid twenties. And one of the characters is doing a, I think she has a grant. She's, she's in Boston. Uh, she's on some kind of a grant or a scholarship um, to be writing. And she's kind of starts doing these character studies, but then she ends up writing this mystery that's very, that's based on these people that she's met, hearing a scream in the library, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the fictional character is writing a fictional story that mirrors the events in the book. But then after every chapter, you pull back and you, and you see that there is a fictional writer <laughs> who is writing about these fictional characters, one of which who is writing a fictional story. And at the end of each chapter, you have letter or you have emails um, sent to the author who's writing it. She has like a beta reader who she sends chapters to, and he sends her emails with critiques at the, at, and the, each one is included at the end of each chapter with like, wow, I, I really liked how you did this. Have you thought about doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And so you have like, these many different fictional lenses that are all working together to create this very multifaceted story. It is really, really well done. And really, I for me, took it beyond, you know, just like a, oh, kind of a cozy feeling mystery. We're at the very vintage feeling uh, reading room at the Boston Library. There's a murder. Like, it really, I think, elevates it to the next level and is, it is very engaging. And yeah, so that's as far as I'm going to go in terms of plot. But the structure... It's not so complex that I had a hard time following the story. I think, and of course, again, just to show you how bad my memory is, I want to say I read it in print, but I feel like I may have listened to it on audio as well. I may have done both. I don't remember. Um, I do remember that I did not have any significant difficulties with keeping up with what was happening, even though this was kind of like, you know, inception layer of stories happening here. But I really think this is a great pick. It's not, you know, like serial killer level violence. 
There's no sexual content. It's not on the same level as what we would maybe consider a cozy mystery, but it doesn't, I think it's, it has a lot of appeal and can be suggested, suggested to a wide range of readers because it doesn't have significant violence, gore, or potentially objectionable content. But yeah, I really, really liked this book, and I wish I could remember when exactly I read it. It was recently, though. It was published in June of last year. So between June of last year and now, at some point, I read it. But yeah, Kendra, do you remember me talking about this on the episode? I'm trying to remember if I talked about this before you came on the show or after. I honestly don't remember. I realize we've hit my one-year anniversary, but... So it all squished together. Yeah. But yeah, I feel it's, it's nice getting back to like classic mystery novels. I'm, I have a cousin who's always looking for those. So I think that's perfect. Yeah. It, I think this just makes a really good suggestion, especially if you have lots of people that you're buying for or people with lots of, with, you know, a wide variety of reading tastes. I think you can really give this to a lot of different people. So again, that is The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentle. Um, and real quick, before we jump into our second picks, let's go ahead and take a quick break for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Wife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tommen series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tear jerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, Kendra, take it away. What do you have for your second pick? 
Okay, so for this pick, I was thinking of cozy mystery lovers, in particular, my mom. My mom, <laughs> uh, she loves cozy mysteries, and she loves long series. She doesn't want, though, swearing, um, any sort of sexual content, and though people die, she doesn't really want a lot of gore, you know? Um, so that's really what she's looking for in a cozy mystery. Added bonus points if there's, you know, food and bakeries and things, <laughs> which and bookstores. So I have a book for people like my mom, and I even recommended this to my mom immediately after I finished it, and it is Shady Hollow by Juno Black. And this is a cozy mystery that's sort of like Murder, She Wrote meets Animal Crossing. So think wind in the willows, right? You have animals who wear clothes and they stand upright and they talk to each other. And even though there's like a mice, there's a mice, there's a mouse, like a bigger creature, like a fox, they're still all like moving about and talking to each other. That is what this book is. So we have Vera Vixen, who is this very ambitious, takes no nonsense sort of reporter. And she is... um trying to solve a crime of this toad who was found killed in the lake. And so she's like, what is happening? Um, there are the Von Beaver Pelts, who are the rich family <laughs> in town of beavers. <laughs> and uh, and so um, and then you have like um, the bears are the, are the policemen. And a potential love interest for Vera. And I admit, my mind was like, what? But I was like, no, no, just go with it. And that's, there's actually a note in the beginning of the book. Like, look, don't hurt your brain. Don't think about the logistics and how this totally would not work with all these different species. You just got to roll with it. And it really, I don't know, it reminded me of Robin Hood, like Disney's Robin Hood, where they're all like animals and stuff. And anyway, it is, let me tell you, the commitment from Juno Black to this story and to the fact that these are, she takes very seriously that this moose is running this bakery. Um, and it's called like uh, Joe's Mug or something instead of Cup of Joe. It's like Joe's Mug. Um, there's a raven who owns a bookstore. Her name is Lenore and it's called Nevermore Bookstore. Of course it is. <laughs> right. And this, you, it is just the most amazing, most ridiculous cozy mystery. I have ever read. I am now on book three. It just keeps going and continues to be the most ridiculous thing that you've ever read. But I am completely delighted. And I think that is a point of a cozy mystery. And um, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Have you have you heard of this series? Before? I haven't. <laughs> I have not. And you know, it's and one thing that I want to mention in our my experience, and I don't know if you've experienced this um, just from people that you know or talking to other readers, but I have learned that there are some readers who have very strong opinions, like like trademark, very strong opinions about books with talking animals in them. Like I have found that there are uh, some readers that just flat out refuse to read a book that has personified animals or talking animals in it. For me, I'm like, it's it doesn't go either way. I'm just kind of like, well, if it works, it works. But yeah, I've met some people that have very, very strong opinions about that. Um, have you ever encountered encountered that or know someone who does have very strong opinions about this type of thing? 
I mean, there were people like in grad school who were like super cranky. And then there, I feel like the, the good case is, do you like wind in the willows? Like if you ask them that, how they mm-hmm. feel about it. If they say yes, there's a good chance they might like this book. Um, also, if they like Animal Crossing, like that's essentially mm-hmm. what it is, is Animal Crossing. <laughs> um, and I loved it. Like I had to, you have to suspend like all of your disbelief, like 100%. Because <laughs> even the mystery part is like, well, okay, sure. But that's not why I'm reading these books. I'm reading these books because it's a cozy atmosphere. And that is what people want from a cozy mystery novel. They want the mm-hmm. vibe, you know? They're not really here for the murder. They're here for the vibe. Um, and that's Woo! what it is. And there no is murder, murder, just vibes. Right? In the second book, uh, a moose skeleton is found. And the snake, who is the um, uh, what the, the person who examines the dead bodies. What is that called? Forensic examiner? Yeah. Medical he, examiner? He, he's, he is a serpent. And he like knows all about poisons, of course. Um but anyway, it's just really fascinating. And I love how Juno um, Black really committed to the story and to the whole premise. So definitely check out Shado- Shady Hollow. Book four has just come out. You'll have four books and they are ridiculous and delightful and have adorable covers. Just delightful. They they sound really fun. They really do. And yeah, I feel like when an author can really commit to, to something outrageous that I will, I will a lot of times follow them down that path. And if you're thinking about giving this series to a friend or family member and aren't sure if they have strong opinions on talking animals in their fiction, uh, you may have to do a little, may want to do a little bit of reconnaissance. Yeah. Go up yes. to them randomly and say, what is your opinion of talking animals and offer no other explanation. Or be like, do you like, do you like Animal Crossing? Do you like Wind in the Willows? Do you like Disney's that Robin too. Hood with a very attractive Great. fox that we're all confused by? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. What's your next pick, Katie? <laughs> anyway, um, so I am I'm going to give everyone a little bit of whiplash from from what we were just talking about and go into my preferred area, which of course is the dark psychological suspense and horror. So I apologize. But this, I think this is a really good pick for, it's not just for demented readers like me. I feel like it would, uh, it would reach a fairly wide audience, even for people that aren't like, you know, wouldn't call themselves that they read, you know, dark stuff. But this book is called Help for the Haunted by John Searles. And I read this book, I think like 10 years ago. Um, Yeah, I think it was about 10 years ago. And I loved it. It is a near perfect blend of psychological suspense and possible supernatural horror. And the story follows Sylvie Mason, who is, uh, she's an older teenager, probably about 17. And she is trying to come to the grips with, come to grips with the sudden murder of her parents. Now her parents were both self-proclaimed demonologists who gave lectures and provided assistance to people who uh, believed that their houses were haunted or that they or someone in their families were possessed by demons. I got the connections that I drew right away, and I don't know. I feel like the author must have drawn from this 
as inspiration. But if you are familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren, the the demonologist couple in real life who uh, investigated you know, the Amityville horror, their investigations uh, provided the basis for all of the Conjuring movies. I will not get on my soapbox about how I think that they were both a couple of ridiculous frauds. But those were the very strong vibes that I was getting from the story of these fictional people. So Sylvie is at the heart of the story. And the story is centered around the death of her parents. And the chapters alternate between the events leading up to their death and the mysteries that were and all of the the unsolved mysteries and questions that were left in the wake of their murder. So you alternate between past and past and present until you get to the end and everything just kind of comes together. And I'm a sucker for this type of narrative structure because when it's done well, it's so powerful, so effective, and it's guaranteed to keep you turning the pages. I loved this book, even though it's been literally a decade since I read it. I remember just being like, it just hit, hit that perfect blend of creepy and page turning. It's not gory. It's not overly violent. There's, It's very atmospheric. It's, it has really strong, relatable characters. And it, it just is almost pitch perfect on so many notes. And I really do need to sit down and re and reread it. I've had it on my shelf for years um, to reread after I read it the first time. But yeah, this, it really, I would label this as a book I would happily give to anyone who is interested in psychological suspense, but does not want to go down, you know, the really dark, demented path that so these types of stories may you know, venture down. Or if someone, you know, they don't like horror, but they like the chill, like, you know, the kind of like good, creepy chills that you get from reading a ghost story on, you know, a dark and stormy night in October. Like this very much, I think, delivers. And it's just the heart, the the whole story is just so solid. And yeah, it's it's a book that like, I don't, hear about that often. Like it was definitely well-reviewed when it first came out, but it's still, it's one of those books that like a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, So that's also a bonus. If you're giving it as a gift, chances are the person you're giving it to has not read it yet. But yeah, I know Kendra, you are, um, you're a much more recent uh, convert to the world of creepy literature. Have you read this one before? I know I've I've mentioned it on it, or I think I've mentioned it before, especially in our pre or post recording chat sessions. But yeah, have you come across this one before? I, I have not read it yet, um, but I believe you mentioned it before. I, I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but not super often. But yeah, yeah, I think this is just a really, really great all around pick for someone who's looking for for the creepy vibes um and again that is called help for the haunted by john searles so my last pick is the literary mystery novel i wanted to pick something that you know holidays mean family time right and when we all have that family member that decides that they are above such things as an Animal Crossing slash Wind in the Willows inspired cozy mystery novel. 
So if you are, <laughs> if you happen to have one of those in your family, as we all do, typically. Anyway, if you are looking for a mystery novel, this is it. It's a delightful, uh, delightful is not the right word. I would say well-crafted would be, I guess, a better descriptive term. So this is the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McRide. Um, he is a National Book Award winner and previous Oprah's Book Club pick author. And so this book is really, it starts in 1972 where workers in Pottstown, Pennsylvania um, are, are starting construction on a new housing development and they discover a human skeleton. From there, we actually go back in time and we look at um, what this area was like previously. So we have Chicken Hill, which is a rundown neighborhood where immigrant Jews and African-Americans live. And so you have this intersection of cultures. And really the first half of the book is really just giving you this background, lots of characters fleshing out of like what's going on. And we then meet a, a young black boy who was in an accident. And um, he um, so he is he is disabled. He is deaf. And so there's a lot of struggle with language with that. And so, but the community kind of surrounds him. Um, Jewish people and black people together are supporting him and just create space for him in this incredible way. Um, there are just just a heads up, there are, you know, there's anti-Semitic language, racist language, and ableist language as these communities are coming together. And it is set, you know, that what what wow, we are we are it's not it's not 2000 anymore, Kendra. It was like 75 years ago. My goodness, I just suddenly felt old. Um so one of the things though that happens is that at this period of time in the United States, institutions, um, eugenics institutions were anyone who was different, they wanted to put in an institution. But the community knows that's not what is best for this boy. But um, the local government has been, someone has called in the local government. That's kind of part of the mystery. And then we get to the really like what's going to go down with this, how did the skeleton get there? So that is how it unravels. And I think it's really interesting because it takes a direction you would, you would not necessarily expect, but I feel like it's really an emphasis on community and how people from a wide range of backgrounds come together um, to support this disabled boy who really just needs to be part of a community. That is what is best for disabled people, um, particularly in his circumstance. So anyway, I just thought it was, it was really fascinating and it bridges that gap between literary and mystery. And this would also, I have not read it yet, but I this book has just been on every bestseller list, every best of the year so far list. Um, so if you have someone in your life who is, just has to be up on like all of the buzzy books, um, that this would also be a good pick to satisfy those, those uh, reading inclinations as well. Yeah, and it's a character-driven, you know, mystery novel. So we get to know all of these characters, and there's actually a lot of disability representation in the book. And you have disabled people sticking up for um, each other, and I think that's such an important part of the story. 
is oftentimes in historical fiction, you don't see the disabled people who were there and were in the communities and were protecting each other. And it's just a, I'm, I'm, yeah, there's just a lot of layers to it. I like almost gave away a spoiler. So I'm just like rein it in, but (laughs) I caught myself. It's okay. You caught yourself. (laughs) It's the curse of, you know, being on a mystery and thriller podcast. You have to yeah, dance you have to, around. especially when you're really excited about the book you're like no can't give too much away <laughs> yes and the cover is beautiful a riverhead always does a great job with their books so again if you have someone who wants is looking for a literary mystery or historical mystery definitely check out the heaven and earth grocery store by james mcbride all right so my last pick is a true crime pick and uh, this is, again, uh, I think you can give this to a wide range of readers because there is no death in this true crime book. So um, that's fairly unusual. Um, but this book is American Fire, Love, Arson, and Life in a Vanishing Land by Monica Hess. And I feel like I mentioned this book about once a year or so on the podcast ever since I read it. This book surprised me at how fascinating it was. It's not long. It's like just over 250 pages. I listened to it on audio. It's great on audio. But it tells the story of a five-month arson spree in rural Virginia that I want to say happened back in like 2012. It was within the Facebook era because I remember reading and they were talking about you know, people posting on Facebook about there were there were these, I think almost 70 houses, unoccupied houses were burned down across this county in rural Virginia. And people were posting about it on Facebook and stuff. And eventually the police arrested Charlie Smith, um, who pled guilty to 67 counts of arson. But Charlie was, he was not the only one lighting the fires. He had an accomplice who which was his girlfriend Tanya Bundick. I don't believe Tanya ever admitted that she was part of this, but um so I don't I don't think that she had any criminal charges um filed against her, but Charlie explained that he was kind of doing this like to impress her to like prove his his love and dedication to her. It's so hard to describe in a small soundbite. It's a look at a very complicated and dysfunctional relationship, but it's also a portrait of the town and the county that this happened in and how it used to be a very prosperous area. But then as the economy changed and industries changed, it was hit really, really hard. And uh, eventually a lot of the residents ended up you know, living below the poverty line. And so there's a lot of history in here. It's like it's like a sociological portrait of this town, this area. And it's a portrait of this this time in history, even though it wasn't history, it was like a little over 10 years ago. But it is so fascinating how the author who um she writes or she's a journalist for the Washington Post you know, she is able to encompass so much in such a small 
a number of pages. The just it's so complex and so riveting and so engaging. Not a single person dies. All of the counts of arson were uh, in abandoned homes, so people did not lose their you know did not lose their livelihoods. But for five months, everyone in the town was or in the county was like, "What is going on?" Like and like I said. Uh, Charlie Smith ended up pleading guilty to 67 counts of arson. That is a lot. That is a lot. So, you know, people were just like, what's happening? What's going on? And it just kind of created this perfect storm of just all of these elements meeting together. And then this is that story. And it's, yeah, it is beyond fascinating. And I was surprised when I read it how engaged with it I was and how much I enjoyed listening to it. It's and it's really it's really spectacular on audio. And yeah, I think this is if you have a true crime buff in the family, this is a great suggestion for them. It's not, you know, one of the really well it's not Killers of the Flower Moon. It's not I'll be gone in the dark, like the ones that everyone, you know, everyone is familiar with. But it yeah, I think it is absolutely fantastic reading. And even if you have someone who maybe they like nonfiction, maybe they like, you know, social sciences, maybe they they don't, you know, they really don't like true crime because they don't like hearing stories about, you know, actual people's murders and death that are like, you know, exploiting victims. I think this is a really this is a really great book again with a really wide audience. I mean, Kendra, you're you're a nonfiction buff. Did this one cross your radar when it came out? I think it was published like in yeah, 2017, Goodreads says. Yes. Everyone and their mother's brother has read this book. I haven't for whatever reason. I need to rectify this. Um, but yeah, everyone was talking about it. It was a huge hit. I remember seeing it all across Instagram and it was just one of the hottest books of what was it spring summer it came out i can't remember summer, yeah it was everywhere interesting um yeah because i now maybe that might be because like were you living in like south carolina in the at the time like geographically maybe in that region because i remember when this came out but maybe i wasn't tuned into the right channels but it kind of like when i was working in libraries and, and stuff it kind of slipped under a bunch of people's radar I just remember it being on like Bookstagram um, mm. a lot and Book Twitter. It was just all all over social media, and so um, I remember. I think Liberty talked about it when I first heard about it. I heard. I think I think I did hear about it first on Book Riot. Now, granted, that's the case for a lot of books that I read, <laughs> but yeah. Well, if you have someone in your family who maybe is not you know, tuned into the book, the, you know, the book, social media, they may not be familiar with it, but yeah. So again, that is American fire, love, arson, and life in a vanishing land by Monica Hess and Kendra, you must read it. <laughs> I I do. I have that in killers of the flower moon on my true crime TBR right at the top. So. All righty. <laughs> well, that's, that's our show for today. We did an extra pick, so we're not going to do new books. We will return though. Uh, next time with more new books but yeah i feel like we have a pretty pretty great holiday gift guide yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> if we do say so Go ourselves us. you know i'm just doing the the shoulder shoulder swipe there 
for those who can't see through sound <laughs> waves. Your high five. <laughs> All right. So that is our show. Thanks to everyone for listening. Of course, thanks to our wonderful new sound editor, Caitlin Brame, uh, for always making us sound great, at least in the last ass episode she did. So <laughs> thank you so much to Caitlin. Um, for show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's podcasts. You can go to bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on your podcatcher of choice. If you want to send an email to us with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD, as in Dylan Winchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.